and welcome, dear listeners, to this, the 45th episode of The Undead Symphony, by me, Darren Smith. In it, I shall be looking, in the first instance, at the Spanish Netflix special, Valley of the Dead, a movie that has been on there for about a year, and I have been avoiding watching, uh, mainly because the trailer didn't look all that good. It wasn't actually a trailer, it was more like a, a snippet of something that happens at some point in the movie. Which, from my experience, is when you can't, I haven't got a theatrical trailer and they just show you part of a scene, it's a bad sign. A bad sign. Uh, I don't know what the second movie will be at the moment, uh, so let's just work on this one first and we'll take it from there. So, set in the late 1930s, during the Spanish Civil War, just before World War II, um, the war is raging between the Soviet Union, uh, who are supporting the Republicans, uh, and the democratically elected um, Nationalist Party that are supported by the Nazis. Talk about stuck between a wedge and a hard place, a rock and a hard place, um, so you're either on the side of the of the fascists, which are the Nazis, or the communists. So, yeah, it's a great time to be in Spain. It opens with a Spanish wedding outside a quiet local church. A Nazi convoy arrives. The commandant, who's this giant man, gets out and walks over to the wedding party. Where one of the children of the bride and groom uh, carry him a glass of something. The man drinks it, the commandant drinks it, and then chokes. The wedding party laugh at this, and then he smashes the glass and orders his troops to shoot them all to death. Once they're shot, his soldiers put on their gas masks and toss grenades giving off a blue gas into, uh, into the carnage where all the dead people are. The canisters have what looks like a Z on them, or a Z, if you're listening in America. We cut We cut to Yan. Yan is a Spanish captain, um, about to be shot by a firing squad from his own side. Um, he shouts and shouts that his uncle's the general, and to stop shooting him. And then his uncle, who is the general, turns up last minute and saves him. Apparently it's the third time that Yan... Um, had to be saved from being executed. He's a bit of a hothead, a bit of an idealist, saving kids, headbutting Franco's cousin. Um, Franco was obviously head of the fascists at the time. Um, headbutting a judge. He is tasked by his general of an uncle in taking a note to the 6th Battalion that are the other side of what's known as the valley and the valley is you know basically got both sides fighting in it so it's quite a dangerous trip he can't drive yan apparently and so he recruits one of the two men who are sitting in this prison cell about to be executed uh de cruz a young man in his early 20s to late teens who doesn't seem to have any soldiering skills at all after a run-in with a Nazi commander at the edge of the woods, 
Um, we are treated to what, in my mind, is probably the only down point of this movie, which is an awful driving scene. They basically have those driving scenes where the camera is fixed on the bonnet or either side uh, of the front, you know, front seats, and there's like the video screen on the sides. And behind them of of what they what would be seen out of the car, so not quite green screen, but more like a projection of the road either side of them, and it kind of draws away from the fact that the movie is actually setting quite a picturesque and beautiful part of Spain, and that the rest of the movie is actually quite quite good. So when when we look at it, if this is the sort of thing I was picking on at the time of watching it. It's it's very very minor. I couldn't actually the first time I saw it uh, the the driving sequence uh, focus on what was being said because it was so bad and so annoying. Um, I think I said the same thing about zombie flesh eaters where they were driving in in one of the cabs, and so they drive through. Well, it's. The, the Nazis are putting up uh, what looks like a fence. They're putting up a barbed wire fence at the edge of the forest and the valley. Huge, huge space um, in, in, in rural Spain. And basically, you know, they, they come up to this Nazi roadblock and they're putting up these fences. The... The, the captain in charge of the Nazis literally says, what are you doing? Give me your papers. And he says, look, we're on the same side, says Jan. And they are on the same side. Although even though they're in Spain, the Nazis are treating it like they are in charge. Um, uh, so, but, you know, Jan basically shows his gun at, to, to, the, to the captain and then they drive into the forest before the barbed wire fences are put up. Now, these are going to be electrified barbed wire fences. Are they keeping people out or keeping something in? De Cruz, as they're driving along, admits that he joined the Nationalist Party rather than the Republican Party because he loves puff pastries that the local nuns make. And if that the Russians took over Spain, there wouldn't be any nuns and therefore there wouldn't be any puff pastries which he says is a good as reason a good a reason as any again bad driving shot annoyed me but i'm getting used to it at this point there's a pretty weak looking overhead or aerial battle between an italian and a russian plane obviously the spaniards are just like secondary to their own civil war at this point uh, and the italian is shot down Yan decides to go and help the pilot after he can see him parachuting into the forest. They find the wreckage of the Italian plane. And the Italians were on the side of the Nazis, and the wreckage includes canisters, damaged canisters, with that Z or Z on him. They find the pilot, who has no legs and is dead. And then they all, they're both captured by the enemy. Basically, the note that was given by the general to, to Yan to carry to the 6th Division says on one side, war is won by nutting up. 
which the others, well, the 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 nationalists, the communists who've just captured them, don't understand. So the pilot that's supposed to be dead is hanging from a tree by his parachute. Amongst the communists includes an American photographer, a journalist who's covering the war. He gets too close to the dead pilot to take a photograph and the dead pilot grabs him and rips his throat out. The dead pilot then unclips itself from its parachute and starts charging at the guys. No legs, crawling at high speed. Brodsky, who's this big Russian with a bald head and, and lamb chop sideburns, uses the entire magazine of his machine gun, pumping the bullets into the pilot before the sergeant of the communists steps forward and puts one in its head. The American uh, journalist then reanimates two, and they have to put it down as well with a bullet in the head. After Brodsky had snapped its neck and turned his head backwards, the zombie still gets up, uh, and they have to put a bullet in its head. To put the girl in the team with her short hair, the quite sexy-looking priest killer who carries a machete, um, she puts a bullet in its head. The Nazis, in the absence, in their absence, the the Nazis bombed their camp. So when they get there, they notice that the dead, everyone is dead, start reanimating. They're looking around. Yan and de Cruz at this point have got their hands tied together. They're still prisoners. The, the communists are basically include Brodsky, who is the big guy with the machine gun. They have a, uh, a former racing car driver called Fuse. They have a communist party, uh, like a politico guy with little Lenin glasses. Uh, they have the sergeant and they have uh, the priest killer. So they have five. So seven of them now. Um, they they pump bullets into these undead former comrades who were who were who were then shuffling towards them, but they don't put any of them down until Len, uh, Yan says, "Shoot them in the head." As soon as he says, "Shoot them in the head," and they start shooting them in the head, they start putting them down, and then they leg it. They leg it and find this boat on the river. Uh, they, climb in, they climb into the boat and the zombies wade in after them. But still, they get away. The group hypothesise about the cause, but they have no real idea. And so, realising that they're all in the same boat, they untie Yan and de Cruz. As soon as they, they land on the other side of the river, though, they're attacked by a horde Brodsky, um, who doesn't want to kill a child, is bitten and then goes down under a zombie feeding frenzy. And so what was seven is now six. They walk through the night and I arrive at a cottage and the cottage, cottage is being held by three more nationalists. We have a nun, uh, an, an uh, Italian and... A, and an Arab 
So now we have nine survivors and they realise after lots of pontificating and pointing guns at each other and a standoff that went on for far too long, they realise that they're all in the same boat. They're all in the same boat and the dead, regardless of what side they were on before they died, are now trying to kill them. The sergeant, who is a communist and doesn't believe in God, says, whatever is happening here is not earthly, meaning it's not natural. Uh, the nun responds that, no, 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 then uh, the Italian responds that my grandmother used to say, when there's no room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. And the nun says that, no, this is not doomsday. It's nothing to do with God. If anything, this is some men pretending to be God, namely the Nazi scientists. So now we have Jan, de Cruz, the Muslim, the Italian and the nun. We have the sergeant um, and we have Fuse, the former motorcycle driver, the communist politico guy and the short-haired priest killer. The pretty short-haired killer with a machete and there is plenty of very telegraphed sexual tension between her and Yan. There is a nice bonding music montage after Yan puts on the radio. I wouldn't have necessarily put on the radio when there are zombies around but they eat and they drink together and they plan and Yan, who is about to burn the note notices that when he put it too close to the fire the uh, there's invisible ink in the watermark that has a map on the back. Um, they send some guys upstairs, three guys, De Cruz, Fuse, who is the best communist shot, and, and Rafia, who is the nationalist Arab um, sharpshooter. So they're looking out of the, uh, the win windows on the top floor, uh, Looking, looking out for Z's. Uh, and they shoot one in the head, uh, but that one was just the first of many coming through the tree line, and suddenly there are hundreds on the way. Uh, they start attacking the house. Basically, they haven't bothered barricading it until now. Uh, the guys start barricading the front door and the two front windows, because uh, that's where the zombies are coming from. Everyone escapes, and then as the zombies finally come through the door, Fuse, uh, I guess he's called Fuse because of his penchant for using dynamite, he throws a couple of sticks of dynamite at the, at the zombies as they head in and blows the whole fucking place up. The guys all escape which you know is a complete surprise for me i would have thought they would have started picking them all off by now like one at a time we've already seen brodsky die so i was expecting someone to die here so one person die at each location um the guys though all escape and they go through the woods and they end up at the electric fence which has multiple zombies stuck to it some of them dead some of them not they have fenced off the whole valley the zombies include Brodsky, who is there and biting away, even though he can't remove himself from the electric fence. So they shoot him in the head. Yan does, because the sergeant can't. 
Yan points out that there's an X on the map and none of them know what it means. But the communists think, the communist thinks that if they can bring back the dead, then if he can steal the formula for bringing back the dead, that then he can give it to the Russians and the Russians can then use it to bomb all of the nationalist cities and win the war. At the moment, at the time, and actually for the whole of the war, the nationalists do beat the communists. The X on the map is the location of the opening wedding massacre. There are canisters of the blue powder all over the place and blood everywhere. And in the church, it was a Nazi lab, although now it's empty. There's a noise from the confessional and the bride comes out. She somehow survived. And she tells them that the Nazis arrived. They killed everybody, but they didn't kill her because her husband fell on her and he, his body took the bullets. But she did get one in the leg. She says that once the Nazis killed everyone, that uh, the, then they threw in the blue powder and the blue powder brought them all back to life. Then the Nazis caught, captured them and started experimenting on them in the church until there was an explosion in the church. One of the canisters exploded and the Nazis then turned and turned on each other. Whilst they're talking about this, the communist finds all the paperwork he needs. He then points a gun at them all and starts retreating out of the church. He wants to kill the nationalists, give the Russians the formula so they can bomb the enemy, turning the war. But after a big speech, he is eaten by the very zombies that he wanted to create. Nazi zombies, wedding party zombies. The others then, as it's a church, head into the catacombs beneath and, and escape. The nun, oh sorry, the bride, however has been bitten and she turns and she tries to kill the Italian before um, before she's killed or beheaded by, by the priest killer. The nun who had a thing for, this, for the communist sergeant, they had this unwritten thing, um, they really did gel. Um, she locks the gate rather than coming through it and she explains that she has been bitten and she sacrifices herself to allow the others to escape. So we are falling back into that formula of one of them dying at each of the locations. The guys then spot a truck, and Yan starts to put two and two together, saying that the truck has got this Z symbol or Z symbol, which is the same as the train he saw at the beginning with his uncle. Now his uncle, uh, when he saved him, had this had this train there and the giant German commandant who was there as well um, he was clearly involved in something uh, one of Jan's soldier friends who was missing an arm was also um, was also there and was taken this is why Jan knew about it was taken to the train so maybe the train is where the, the Germans have been, you know, creating this virus. But it could also be 
where they create the antidote. And so he suggests that they go to the big HQ, which is underneath a mountain not far away, and steal the antidote. There has to be an antidote, he thinks, because they wouldn't create something this devastating without an antidote. That would be mad. Clearly, young Yan has not dealt with Nazis before. So, the grand plan is that the survivors will, that is, de Cruz, Yan, the sergeant, uh, the Italian and the, uh, and the Arab and Fuse, will stop the blue powder from being used more by the Nazis, and they will find the cure. The minor issue is that young de Cruz was bitten when he went and got the truck. So as I said, the base is at the, the base is underneath the mountain. It looks very Indiana Jones. Yan, who actually works with these people, because he is a nationalist, he is on the side of the Nazis, walks up to the front gate, he's got a couple of machine gun towers, uh, and his tiny little uncle comes charging up and says, you must come in now. And the... The then he you know but Yan says no no I've got men out here I need my men and the prisoners to come in too the uncle says no and walks in with a huge Nazi they say that they inter they intercepted the communists radio transmission to the Russians saying that they had the the formula and that this is where it's at Yan won't leave his men so he walks away the nazi then after his uncle says i'm in charge here i decide what's happening the nazi blows his brains out and says no i'm in charge de cruz who thinks he's going to die soon takes fuses last explosives and a hand grenade he knows he's dying and so they let him go and he walks slowly to walk towards the gate he gets shot loads of times and falls over. He then gets up, now as a zombie, and keeps running at the gate to the point where he gets a headshot just short of the fence. He then falls and dies. And the guys think, well, this is our only chance. But the hand grenade that he held in his hand with his finger over the fuse rolls out and explodes blowing up the explosives around the gate and taking out the machine gun nest and and the machine gun towers the guys then run down to go and get into the uh, get into the base so they can take it out but before they do that they look up at the mountainside and see hundreds upon hundreds of zombies on the way they've clearly attracted a fucking horde so the guys kind of sneak their way in, followed by the horde. The f fuse at one point finds a uh, motorcycle and says, fuck this, I, I don't want to die, I want to ride motorcycles and races away. The Italian says, hey, I just liked the way the uniform fit suited me, and he runs off. So this just leaves the sergeant uh, and Jan and the priest killer. 
So the Horde arrives and starts killing everyone there, all of the Nazis and the nationalist Spaniards and the Italians who are all there. Uh, the sergeant um, is saved by Rafir, the Muslim. But then Rafir was pulled away and you think he's going to die. Uh, the Italian then runs after being chased by the zombies and gets in a truck. The other door opens in the truck and Fuse gets in too. The zombies have chased the both of them into this truck and it's surrounded by zombies. They both think they're going to die. They both get pictures of their loved ones out. They have some banter and they smoke a cigarette and they think they're going to die. And then they look out the back of the into the rear view mirror and the truck has got lots of explosive boxes on the back. Fuse has one last stick of dynamite. The Italian lights it with his cigarette and the two of them hold it together until it explodes, blowing up the truck and all the zombies on it. So, as you said before, the sergeant for the communists used to be a train driver before the war. So he gets ready to drive the train away, whilst which has got the lab on it and, and all of the, the drugs and, in quotes, any antidote they can find. The giant Nazi commandant, who I, don't, I think was underutilised in this movie, he is currently sitting in the lab. And Yan and the priest killer charge in and point a gun at him and say, give us the antidote. To which he laughs and says, there is no antidote. And so they shoot him in the head. Yan is then bitten on the hand by the guy who he spoke to at the beginning, the guy with, who had his arm blown off. And before the, the poison can take over his body, the priest killer grabs him, puts his hand on the table and chops his hand off at the wrist. We've seen this before. Many times. Um, chopping off the legs. Uh, in, in Walking Dead, we saw Herschel. Um, actually, in the Walking Dead comic, this is what happens to... Well, they don't chop it off because he's been bitten. They chopped it off because it was all crushed. But it's happened before. Chopping off limbs that are, are have got the, the infection in them. So the sergeant starts the train and it starts moving out of the... out of the... The, the tunnel and going out of the mountain um, he looks up and he has got four bullets left and there are four zombies heading towards him he shoots three of them and then he tells he says out loud that he will see the nun in heaven if there is such a place puts the gun to his head and blows his brains out which I was not expecting we then see Russian bombers flying in and destroying the tunnel from above and the train coming out the other side to safety. Somehow, Rafa, the um, sharp-shooting sharp Arab, has survived. And Priest Killer and Yan, who were in the, in the lab, before the, the train started, loads of zombies charged on, and the two of them jumped into a capsule, um, I guess, for examination. 
Uh, and the two of them in this capsule somehow survived the bombardment too. But all of the zombies on the on the uh, train are dead. So really, it's just the three of them. They get off the train, the, the train, and then Yan and Priest Killer ride on a motorcycle through the beautiful Spanish countryside to the edge of the nationalist held territories. The, you know, I thought they were going to spend, they were going to go together, but Yan, with only one hand, heads off without her, and without her telling him his her real name. She would always be known as Priest Killer. So, i got to say, I actually did enjoy it. it. I mean, reading it back, it was quite weak in places. Um, but it was, it was all right. It was okay. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Um, most of the deaths were kind of telegraphed. There wasn't a lot surprising me in this movie. Um... I wasn't expecting her to chop his hand off. Um, I wasn't expecting the, the German to go down with without a fight, really. Um, but it was good, you know. It, it was a Netflix movie. It was a Spanish Netflix movie, you know. I think, I think it was all right. They've got others on there. You know, they've got Scandinavian ones they produced. They produced the Korean All of Us Are Dead. Uh, the Korean Alive. So they've got quite a few Netflix-produced zombie shows now. Army of the Dead. That was a Netflix. So I liked The Valley of the Dead, the Spanish Netflix, Franco-era Spanish Civil War zombie movie. And I think... I'm, I mean, would I watch it? I probably would watch it again. So I'm probably going to score it... 6.5 out of 10. The, you know, it, it, it's quite obvious that people are idealistic, ideological. They were, the zombies were bad and, and had no side. But the cause clearly had a political divide. It was caused by the Nazis. However, the communists were thinking, well, if we can get that, we would use it. And outside of the communist politico guy and and the initial arguments when one side has an upper hand over the other, the group of nationalists and, and communists and republicans, they were just Spaniards. And they realised that they were all Spaniards fighting other Spaniards. And Jan even at one point says that his brother fights for the communists, fights for the, the republicans. So his brother's on the other side of the war. So the war is based on ideological grounds. And they shouldn't really be fighting each other. Um, there was some decent decent stuff, I think. I, I liked it. I mean, it was set in 19, the late 30s. So, it, you know, you couldn't have a lot of the modern zombie fighting stuff. They didn't barricade the doors. They do learn about the headshots uh, over time. Uh, we, we find out who caused it. The Germans, the Nazis, the Germans. Uh, we know they did it as part of this war effort. Uh, it's not the first time Nazis have created zombies. There are plenty. Wolfenstein, Dutschnow, loads of Nazi-related zombie stuff going on. Uh, there was that J.J. Abrams movie as well that I can't remember its title of. 
But yeah, I liked it. Six and a half out of ten. If you've got Netflix and you like zombie stuff, give it a watch. If you speak Spanish, even better. And so that was Valley of the Dead on Netflix. And so on to our second movie of this episode, Hard Line, also known as Dead Rush. I always tend to look at some of the movie stats on uh, Wikipedia beforehand, uh, just to see if there's any interesting tidbits of information, any factets, um, globets of information that I can glean from from the Wikipedia page, but there is no Wikipedia page. Um, I also go on to IMDb because I want to look to see if I know the cast from anything. And Hardline does not exist on IMDb. It points you to Dead Rush, which is the same movie. Two terrible names. I believe Hardline has been used a few times for other movies. Hardline is also the name of a computer game, so it could be computer game related. After all, it is first person, but they might have had to rename it Dead Rush because it's nothing like a zombie computer game. It's pretty terrible. Okay. And this. Off the bat, I want to say that I'm not a fan of POV point of view or first person cinematography in any way. I do not like it. Um, I know the idea is to create this this hyper realism, this uh, suggestion that you are being immersed in the story by it being your view. You are now the view of the main character. Um, I don't think it works. I don't like it. You know, we saw it in one cut of the dead. Uh, but that was because it was the camera. You know, the camera, and you're watching the camera view. Um, when it's when it's used in, in movies, I don't like it. It was used in the Doom movie, starring The Rock and Carl Urban. Um, at the end, when, he, you know, he took the drug and could suddenly run around like it's the game of Doom. Like the game. It's like the game. Um, it does make it feel very computer game-ish. Um, I just don't think it works. Um, and for someone to make a, thankfully, only 77-minute movie, purely, wholly uh, first person, um, you know, we'll have to see. But I, I don't, I don't like it. I think it's lazy. It's not. It's a gimmick, and it's a it's a cheap gimmick at that. Anyway, so um, seventy seven minutes, Hardline or Dead Rush. Let's take a look. It opens with a post car crash scene. The POV is of a little girl sitting in the back, uh, bleeding. In the front, her father is in the driver's seat and dead. Her mother is in the passenger seat and alive. Um, they both kind of, kind of injured, kind of recovered. Uh, the mother says, we're going to get out and we're going to run. It's going to be like we're playing tag. And that if she, the mother, gets tagged, the daughter just needs to keep running. The two of them get out of the car uh, and they're running. And she's, you know, the mother is running ahead, seen by the child. Uh, there's this running zombie behind them. The mother bashes away into a building and they go in and they go up up through the building to this to a bedroom in one of the rooms in, in an apartment, from what it, I can tell. Um, there's lots of really heavy-looking furniture in this room. 
I mean, it's it's an old school bedroom. This is like old, you know, your grandparents' um, furniture. It's not IKEA. It's not light crap. We're talking heavy wooden looking dresses and and chests of drawers and wardrobes that if you push those against the doors you're going to be safe for as long as you need to we don't know what kind of zombies though these are at the moment but given how fast they're moving i'm guessing these are just psychotic infected crazy kind of zombies the living running screaming kind um the mother then says you know you just need to hide here hide why are you leaving your child in a strange room that you haven't barricaded uh, so you can fuck off and do something else? What are you going to do? Go and kill all the zombies? No, you should be barricading yourself in. Uh, it turns out also that some, one of the doors, at least, one of the doors has got a lock on it. Uh, the other door opens outwards, which is which is stupid. So... You know, I enter eye roll emoji. Um, so the mother says, stay here, do not leave and hide, which is great. Of course, the child doesn't stay here and doesn't hide. After the mother has left for a while, the child then goes out, leaves the safety of the apartment to head up the corridor. At the end of the corridor, her mother is being attacked by a zombie, to which the child shouts, Mummy! Uh, the zombie then gets up and runs, screaming after her. She runs away. Uh, runs, it looks like this uh, part of this building is under construction. She goes into one of the con- construction parts of the building, hides. The zombie comes into the, the room that she's in. But rather than leave the room and lock the zombie in, which would be smart... She picks up a sharp piece of wood, um, a sort of a splintered piece of wood that's kind of like a dagger, and, and then she walks up to the zombie. The zombie comes at her, and of course she can't fight it. It's a grown man who's turned into a psychotic zombie. And she is a tiny child, probably about, I don't know, less than 10, let's say. Um, uh, yeah, it's stupid. You know, she could have stayed in the room. They could have closed the doors and locked them. She could have locked the zombie in this room and run for, to see if her mum was okay. But no. It's all very annoying, all very stupid. And as my rule is, there's no room for stupid in the apocalypse. We then cut to three weeks earlier. David, the central character, lives with Megan. But Megan is sick, some sort of flu-like virus that is off the back of a uh, off the back of a an injection a uh, uh, an immunization what's the word I'm trying to think of uh, but yes so um, she's sick with something and this something is probably or likely potentially caused by the vaccine that she has been given. David's dad is a pestering busybody uh, and a conspiracy nut who keeps calling David constantly, as well as sending him videos he's found on the internet. And the guy is the guy is nuts. Of course, when they video, when they phone each other, uh, they do it 
uh, as FaceTime, so you can get the POV FaceTime. So he works, my, uh, David this is, uh, with his best pal Wayne. Wayne is a taller, a fun guy. It looks like these two have a really good relationship. And they work together in a hardware store. Uh, again, it's a bit, it's POV, it's annoying. Um, and it's obviously obvious to me that David was the zombie at the beginning of the movie who attacked the little girl and her mother. So obviously it's not going to go too well. Uh, as I said, Megan is sick. She keeps calling. She is sick, apparently due to a vaccine she's been given. Uh, the veins on her neck and her back and arms are raised and blue. Um, so, and she has, she says that she's got these dreams. She has these dreams of chasing someone and, and then there's being blood everywhere. But then she tells him that she's pregnant. She is pregnant. Yay. So David and Wayne go out to celebrate. They go out to a party. Well, they go out to party. Uh, they get hammered. They start drinking. They do shots. They're on the dance floor. They drink more beers, more shots. But then Megan calls him to say she's really panicked. There are people outside banging on the door trying to get in and there are police everywhere. So the guys panic. The guys run, even though they're both hammered, jump in Wayne's car. They drive and there's stuff going on in, in the town now. There are people being attacked by other people. Obviously they're zombies, but they don't know it. They drive all the way back to, to David and Megan's house. David gets out, runs through the crowds to find that Megan is now on the floor with two police officers above her. Um, she asks for his, He asks them to leave her alone and then they shoot her dead. Blood goes everywhere. She dies even though she's pregnant and just got some sort of flu-like virus. The cops then point their gun at David, but before they shoot David, Wayne runs in and clumps the cop around the face, picks up, you know, helps David to his feet, and the two of them run through the, um, through the crowds back to Wayne's car, and they drive off. All this, of course, is first person, POV, through the eyes of David. They then get to the gym. They go to the gym. Obviously, the guys spend a lot of time in the gym. I don't know where they are in America or Canada. Uh, but the two of them look like they work out. So I'm sure they'll spend a lot of time in the gym. They go to the gym. Again, I'm not sure why. It's not a renowned place to hide out during a zombie apocalypse. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen anyone. Uh, go to a zom go to a gym during the zombie apocalypse. Um, they do have plenty of equipment, very heavy equipment that they could barricade the doors with. However, they they don't. Wayne kind of needs David to get his shit together, but David's obviously in shock. Um, they you know they've got these heavy this heavy equipment. They could, but 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 the front of the uh, gym has windows glass doors and glass windows it's a fucking gym um they would need to chain it closed they would need to then push the heaviest equipment the biggest equipment up against those doors to to stop anything coming in obviously the other issue they have is that doors might open outwards <laughs> um but they go to the gym um I think it's a good option going to the gym. Uh, there are water sources there. Uh, they say that they've actually got protein bars and protein powders. It is safe. Um, 
uh, David goes and cleans himself up. He's got obviously he's got Megan's blood on him. He goes and cleans up in the locker room, and then we see some very badly acted, um, poorly acted rage punching some of the lockers. His dad then fucking calls again, and he is so annoying. Uh, but then the call fails. Thank God. The two of them set their bed up beds up in the the fighting cage. So there's a fighting cage. So that's kind of like got. You know, mesh walls, uh, rubber floors, and it's got pat fighting pads in it. Um, but you've got a door that you can close, so they're kind of enclosed. Um, they sleep. Next day, they're getting the food and water, which is most protein bars and protein shakes. But, you know, it, they can survive with that for a while. Um, David seems to think they need food and water and other people. But Wayne thinks that that is other people's problems. Wayne's pretty cold. He said, tells David, you need to move on or don't. They rifle through the lockers to find stuff that they need, obviously clean clothes, anything else, and they find a handgun in one of the rucksacks. Uh, which I think, um, well, they basically have a little disagreement of who should have it. Both of them want the other one to have it. Uh, but then they keep it in the locker anyway. I think this movie would be better if the main character could act. I think he can act when the camera's on him, but when the camera is him, his his voice acting just goes to shit, and it's very dull. So um, it kind of falls over. He's very dull, very monotone, and he doesn't really put any passion at all in in what he's saying. It's all very it's all very, all very dull. I think that's how I describe it. Uh, he then starts a video diary uh, for his dad or whoever will find it. Um, a guy comes to the glass window, but rather than helping him, they don't let him in and he's killed by zombies. Uh, and the guys then have been there nine days and Wayne starts to act weird. He starts vomiting all the time. They then run out of protein shake, so they are going to have to leave at some time. And Wayne says that he feels like razor blades are inside him. Yes. So basically, obviously, he started to turn zombie. He started to get these welts on his face and shoulders. His face is starting to decompose. And he begs David to kill him. And he then turns. He dies, or goes dormant. And then he gets up really slowly. David is, stand David is literally sitting next to him saying, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne. And it's only when Wayne stands to his full height and turns to show that he's now turned and charges at David that he gets shot in the face. The gunshot, though, excites all the zombies that are outside. Uh, they do have the security cameras going still. So the security, they had power, so the security cameras uh, showed all the zombies outside and now those zombies are trying to get in via the front door. They do, though. They smash through the front door because they didn't barricade it properly. The guys didn't. Um, and they chase they chase David, who's a fuckwit. Um, he doesn't shoot any of them. He then drops the gun. And at that point, I'm glad that he clearly gets killed later. Um, he drops the gun and he jumps into the, uh, the fighting cage. Uh, but some zombies come into the fighting cage with him rather than just surrounding it. Um, he then picks up the fighting pads and pushes them away 
um, knocking them knocking them uh, out of the way, so he can then close the fighting cage door and lock some of them in the fighting cage before picking up the gun. But there's still plenty of zombies anywhere. Anyway, he shoots a couple of them as he runs out and then gets into Wayne's car. Fortunately, the keys are behind the sun visor, uh, and then he drives off. Then there's a girl that kind of looks like Megan, a zombie that kind of looks like Megan, that he looks at, then looks forward and then crashes the car and then it fades to black because he's knocked himself out like a fuckwit. He wakes up in a, we think it's sort of a church stroke hospital stroke apartment building that's basically, he is handcuffed to a bed. There's a girl called Carly who talks to him uh, and then Patrick who is uh, a TV evangelist we saw earlier in the movie who's clearly some sort of God nut, um, believes that he is the word of God, believes that God protects them um, and that, you know, God is the only thing that can protect them in the zombie apocalypse and that he himself is the word of God. Uh, there's 13 of them, uh, a couple of guys, uh, a couple of girls, um, one woman who's missing her child, and and Pat, Patrick and Carly. Uh, the guys are all misogynistic assholes. Um, no one's allowed to question Patrick, the cult leader that he is. Patrick tells David there's a group the other side of the city that includes a child that is apparently immune, original, and that they're going to go and rescue them. Uh, David, though, has, has got a hefty scratch across his chest um, that is painful and starting to peel, as, and he has a, a wound on his hand that is the same. So, he's clearly infected and clearly injured. His veins are a little blue and a little up too. Infected. He heads up with Carly and two rednecks, including a foul-mouthed, misogynistic asshole, who thumps Carly when she questions Patrick's uh, sanity. They go to a store for food. David, as he's there, feels dizzy, falls over, obviously this is all POV still, and falls onto his knees. He looks up, using his torch, and there's a zombie there. Uh, the arsehole guy shoots the zombie in the head uh, before it can attack, and then they go back to the compound. David's wound is getting sick, uh, getting worse on his hand. Um, anyway, so as I said, this is a religious sect, very patriarchal. Patrick, the TV evangelist, is in charge and sees himself as the word of God, mouth of God, whatever. Um, David then starts, much like Megan did, having, having dreams about chasing people and blood. And then he feels that someone is outside, so he gets up and he follows or follows the sounds and he ends up finding Carly and she's out wanting a cigarette and a chat. Um, then the woman, who's lost her child, wants to go and find the child, confronts Patrick about that. Patrick then, and this is watched through a crack in the door by David, Patrick basically grabs her and then puts a cyanide pill in her mouth, killing her. Patrick tells, tells David that she was infected and that the infected are going to go to hell. So she just sent him to, he just sent her to hell. And then Patrick threatens him by saying, 
it would be a real sin if David was also infected too, because he'd also have to be killed. Yes, David tells his dad that he's infected in a video diary, but he's, that he's no longer scared of the infection. And then David, along with four other guys, go out to go and find that family, including the, the immune child, um, and they head to a, a kitchen warehouse store the other side of town. Uh, the family are, however, not there. David gets a call from his dad. His dad is covered in blood, and he says that he'll miss him, and he loves him. And then the, the phone dies, thank fuck, because that was another annoying, contrived gimmick. Um, whilst on the phone, though, David, who was supposed to be keeping watch, doesn't spot the huge fucking horde of zombies that have come into the building. The four guys run out. Two of them are killed without shooting their guns. David, though, isn't being attacked. And he has a fire axe and he is taking out zombies left, right and centre without being attacked by them. He also attacks this zombie that's kind of like bald with like a classic zombie face, like most of the zombie posters. The zombie poster stroke video box cover for this one makes it look like some really wicked... Uh, there's a there's a movie with Shalto Copley where it's first person where he's running around shooting people with multiple guns. Um, it looks like that. It looks exciting. You know, two guns being fired at zom at a horde of zombies. First person. It ain't like that. They manage to get back to the base, um, and Carly kind of puts two to two and two together. Um, David is infected and is now on the ground. Um, the guy uh, was basically saying that you know this piece of shit wasn't being attacked by the zombies. Again, suggesting David is infected. But the zombies have followed them there. And David offers to fight them off. So he takes the gun off of Carly and heads out to, to fight them off. Some zombies get in, she shoots them, he finishes them off and she goes running. David then goes to try to find the other people and Patrick um, has given them all suicide pills. He offers one to David before taking one himself. So really everybody else has now died. David has decided now that he wants to go and save Carly. So he runs out, although he's falling to bits. Uh, zombies aren't attacking him. They see him as one of their own. So he's trying to save her, but he can't. We can't even see her, actually. She's just run off. Uh, he collapses like Wayne did. And then the camera moves off of him into this rising drone shot of him laying on the floor, on the ground, and the zombies around him all heading, I guess, in the same direction as Carly. It all goes white. Not fade to white, but more like a sun. You're looking too close at the sun. And the breathing suddenly changes to very bad, laboured zombie breathing. It is now Zombie David as POV rather than David. Zombie David then kills a guy by chasing him down. Uh, and then it's the beginning of the movie again. Um, he sees the mother and the child, and he ends up chasing them. Um, he chases the mother, and the mother clumps him with a, uh, with a piece of wood. Um, and then he, uh, he, see he sees the girl, and the girl 
um, cries mummy because it's just the beginning of the movie he's about to kill the mother by being on top of her and then the girl calls mummy and he gets up and starts running after her he goes into the uh, the 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 room where you know it's kind of like a construction area and it's he's looking for the child much like the beginning the child then comes out of her hiding place with this splinter of wood and he attacks her but before he gets on top of her to kill her the mother clumps him with the same piece of wood killing him he then dies and we finally stop it being pov apps are fucking finally and we have the young girl laying on her side looking at zombie david whose eyes are open and he's looking back at her whilst imagining he is looking at megan there's lots of that he kept was like lots of him laying down looking at megan during his flashbacks too um the mother sort of stumbles off, although we, I would have preferred her to then go pick up the child. Um, but it would stop. Be, I mean, it's really about him, his POV, though, so it should really have stopped uh, at that point. Um, I, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as awful as I thought it would be. Um, I'm kind of questioning, is this the immune kid that they couldn't find because they'd crashed their car? But that happened earlier, but possible. But possible they could have crashed their car on the way to the on the way to the meeting i wasn't paying attention right at the beginning of the movie um maybe that's what happened and she is the immune child um i felt that nowhere was truly safe nowhere was truly battened down in this movie uh, they, there was no even in the complex the religious complex the zombies just got in I and mean, how could they just get in i mean if they were just going to get in oh it makes no sense and then you know, at the at the most secure place they had at any point in time, which was the, they didn't stay at the, a hardware store they worked at. Stay at the hardware store. You got weapons of every possible kind, all the tools and and materials you need to batten down the hatches. Although saying that, I think it is that the hardware store, in the the dead don't die. Still got overrun. Um, okay, fine. They they get to the gym. They don't barricade the windows. Basically, to stop the zombies seeing you. Stop the zombies seeing you. Put something over the glass windows. Paper. Sellotape paper or posters or anything to the windows. So they can't see you. First thing. Um, Wayne mentions we've got some of these really big heavy weights. We will go and put these out against the fence. What fence? There's a massive fucking parking lot outside, then the street, and that is where all the zombies are. Um, so that didn't make any sense. But he did have the idea of barricading it, even though they didn't. Um, they also had the security cameras. They could have used those a lot more as a, as a plot line, um, like they did in uh, Diary of the Dead. They used the security cameras uh, at, the, at the mansion at the end. So it was, you know, do I, did I like it? I wouldn't watch it again. It wasn't as bad as I thought, and I hate POV. The acting wasn't brilliant from the main character when he, you know, I mean, some of his acting was fine, uh, but most of it was awful. Um, so it was very short, thank God. I think if it was another 20 minutes long, I would have ended up self-harming. Um but it was what it was. It wasn't a terrible movie. 
I'm going to score it five and a half out of ten, which makes it watchable at least once. Um, I, lo- I mean, the idea of immersion via POV is isn't new, but I don't think it's ever worked in a movie outside of, you know, if you're using it as a camera as per Blair Witch Project. Um, again, the practicalities of this being uh, a, a plague that infects humans and turns them homicidal didn't wasn't really massively you know we didn't go to the origins you know we've obviously had vaccines that cause it there's a vaccine that causes it you know this kind of depending on when it came out that could that might be a bad you know right wing thing about you know covid vaccines and the government forcing you to have them kind of thing um but yeah i mean you had religious fanatics there was really only wayne you know, there's only Wayne, uh, David, and, and Megan at the beginning, the annoying dad. Uh, Megan dies, and then she's only used in flashbacks, get get progressively more gory. The religious fanatics didn't like any of them other than Carly. Uh, and the family, you know, you only see them for two scenes, and it's the same scene but from different perspectives. Um, so was David enough of a character to carry this movie? No, um, it was obvious from the moment that we, you know, we saw the welt on his hand when he was at the gym that he wasn't going to survive. We'd also seen him as the zombie at the beginning, um, so obviously he turned into a zombie throughout the movie. So he's not going to survive. So why do I care? And I didn't in the end. So that was Hardline Stroke Death Rush, I think it was called, um, and yeah, five and a half out of 10 for me and that was the undead symphony by me episode 45 valley of the dead and hardline Thank you.